Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Inside the Mirror Podcast. Uh, we're in the hundos now. I don't know what episode this is, but God bless you for listening this long. Thank you. Oh. Today, I got a super special guest with me. He is not just my coworker. He is not just my peer. He is not just an ex-athletic superstar. He's my friend, Mr. Ryan Hugerwer. Who, thanks for being here. Yeah, man. Appreciate you having me. I'm excited to be here. Let's freaking get it. Come well, I, I, uh, as we said, you and I can talk for days and days, hours and hours, whatever under the sun. But I'm going to hand the mic to you and let you give us kind of the, uh, you know, the five, ten minute origin story of like, who are you? Where'd you come from? What's what's the yep. deal here? Yeah. Yeah, man. I think uh, I'm prepared for this to be the longest podcast in uh, in your in your reign. So uh, let's get out. No, man. I, uh, yeah, appreciate you having me, man. I've been, uh, uh, listening to some of these as we've gotten to know each other and, um, I love what you're doing. It's fun. It's exciting. And, uh, I love the idea of like, Hey, this is just going to be a really casual conversation with us. Like, let's just hey. see what we uncover and let's have some fun. Uh, right. well, man, I am, uh, yeah. Ryan, Ryan Hugerworth, man, born and raised, uh, here outside of Dallas, uh, in Texas. And, um, when I, uh, I grew up in, in Allen, uh, for any of, uh, us Texas folk that know where Allen is, uh, it's a small little city up north. It's not not so small anymore. It was small when I moved there, but um, north of Dallas. Um, yeah, man, I had a, a great life growing up. Um, grew up in the uh, middle of a small neighborhood with uh, two parents that, that loved me well. I've got a younger sister um, who is uh, way smarter and more athletic and just <laughs> all the things better than I am. Um, she's really? in, the, in the process of getting her doctorate at the University of Wyoming. Come on. Um, Yep, she Ooh, was Cowboys. Uh, shout out. Yeah, that's right. Go Cowboys. Um, yep, she was just in town. Got to see her for a little bit. Um, but yeah, she's up in Laramie and um she's getting her doctorate in clinical psychology. She was a uh, track and field, she was on the track and field team at the University of Arkansas where she got her undergrad, uh, which is the number one track school in the country. Woo pig. So, yeah, she's uh she's she's awesome. Um and I've got two parents that that loved me really well, that cared about me, that uh, made all the intentional sacrifice and investment it takes to raise two uh, hardworking athletic kids. And um, man, I had a great, yeah, I had a great home life. Um, I, like I said, grew up in Allen, went to, to Allen High School, which is where I met my, uh, my now wife, um, who was my high school sweetheart, um, Tristan. Um, and so we met, started dating sophomore year of high school. Um, and while I was there, uh, you know, did well in school. Played football and baseball. Uh, this is where I always like to highlight. Uh, I was, uh, if you guys follow football at all, um, there's a, a quarterback in the NFL, plays for the, the Cardinals. He's just kind of good. Um, his name's Kyler Murray. Uh, I was the backup in high school. Uh, so I played football and baseball with him, um, which was a ton of fun, man. He's awesome and great dude. Uh, we had a really cool friendship and we still keep in touch. Um, so it's fun. But Anyway, I was way better at baseball than I was at football. Um, so, uh, you know, by the grace of God, I had some opportunities to go play collegiate athletics and went and played some Division One ball uh, through a couple of different schools. Um, played at um, Louisiana Tech my first year, transferred to a junior college out in West Texas, played there for a year. Shout out to Cisco. And then uh, went and got my degree and finished my last two years at the University of Portland up in Oregon. Um and so that's kind of the, the flyover, uh, came back, graduated from there in 2018, um, and proposed to my wife later that year, uh, in, uh, the great state of Colorado, shout out to hey, the Colorado, come shout on, out. there's a that's lot of right. people listening from Colorado. So come on, baby, that's crest the view, baby. I'll be there in a month. Um, Let's but go. yep, 
that's a beautiful special place to me and me and Tris. Her family's been going there for the last like 30 years. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, near and dear to our hearts. Um, but yeah, I proposed, um, in December, 2018, uh, we got married in October of 2019. Um, we had our first little girl in September of 2020. Um, and then a whole mess of things, uh, moved into a house, uh, started working at this cool new job called leader, which I'm sure none of your, none of your listeners have ever heard of, but um, I evangelized to the moon. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, and then I don't even think I've told you this yet. We just found out we've got kiddo number two on the way. So what I know, man, dropping, dropping bombs on you today. Let's um, freaking go. Yeah. Congrats. Appreciate it. On, yeah. Man. Just found out. Yeah. She, uh, Tristan is, um, a little over eight weeks. So still oh, really, really early. On. Um, but man, we're, we're really excited. Um, uh, we're really, really fired up about it and That's equal, cool. equal parts, excited, equal parts, terrified. Um, but, <laughs> and we're going to, uh, you know, God will give us the strength, courage and knowledge to, to walk through it. So, um, and so, yeah, another piece, I know I'm, I'm well over five to 10 minutes, but I think that's what we expected, uh, as yeah, I was yeah. talking. So, um, another piece that I'll talk about, man, is just, uh, my kind of my walk with, with Christ through all of that. Um, and I, I grew up in a house, like I said, that, that loved me well, that cared about me, that modeled a, a, a really good, uh, marriage and, and relationship. Um, but wasn't a house where, um, you know, we were just, uh, you know, uh, practicing spiritual disciplines and going to church every Sunday and, um, we are, we were what, what I call the creasters, uh, we were Christmas Eve and Easter services, and that was pretty much it. Um, and so, uh, I mean, I, I was just really, really fortunate, um, playing sports growing up. I got plugged in with a group of dudes when I was like 13, um, playing baseball that, uh, they just, they were really different, but they were cool and they loved on me. And, um, they kind of brought me to, um, some youth groups and things that they were doing. And man, I just started to feel this pull. And, um, you know, started wrestling with what does this mean? Uh, what does this, what does it actually mean? Not culturally, what does this look like, but what does this actually mean to step into a relationship with Jesus? And, um, you know, I was in middle school, um, and I remember going off to a a church camp. Uh, this was uh, my eighth grade year and, uh, it was called camp Eagle in South Texas shout out. Um, but we were, uh, man, just there for a week with my guys and, um, some of my best friends and just, uh, the Lord was just stirring stuff in my heart. Um, and so that was in June of 2009. Um, that was when I, uh, made the decision that, Hey, I want to, I want to pursue a relationship with you. I want to be baptized. And, um, you know, I was, uh, really, really adamant on being baptized there in the Colorado river, which runs down through South Texas. And, um, the, the worship leader that was there and the, the youth group leader that was there, they were both like, Hey, uh, I love this fire. I love this passion, but, um, we're not going to baptize you here. Uh, I don't want this to be a camp high decision. I want you to know what it actually means um, when real life hits, what it means to step into a relationship with Christ. And um, which I thought was super cool. Um, they could have easily done it and said, Hey, great. You know, that's just a, another number of baptisms that we got this week. And it was like, no, no, no. We want to actually be really intentional with the way that we pursue this. And um, so I came back, I, I chewed on it. I, I talked with them. I talked with my parents and um, later in June that year, uh, I got baptized. And so Man, I think that was just the beginning. I don't, I don't think I truly, truly comprehended um, what it looks like to, you know, uh, carry my cross daily and sacrifice my life to to live in in honor of Jesus. But um, man, that was the start of of God just pursuing my heart and um, walked through that uh, through high school and um, was a part of Young Life and was a Young Life senior officer. But man, was just still living reckless and uh, doing a lot of things that. Um, 
by God's grace, man, I could have been really, really scarred from a lot of stuff. And he kind of just sheltered me from a lot of things um, that could have been really bad. Um, so uh, go off to college. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I was a fairly decent athlete, um, was, uh, especially in baseball where obviously I got some division one offers, but, um, you know, was talking with professional teams at a high school and, um, uh, all that did was just inflate my ego and fill me with a ton of pride. And, um, so, you know, I thought I was God's gift to earth for a while. And, um, man, when I got to Louisiana tech, um, just a series of, of unfortunate events where, um, you know, I, I had had a really good fall. I uh, was playing really well. Coaches pulled me in and they were like, Hey man, I think you're going to start at first for us as a freshman, which is not something that we normally do. And, um, right after that, I, uh, dove for a ball in our fall world series, uh, had a grade three separation in my shoulder, which put me out for four months. Um, and so, uh, rehabbing that really just frustrated, um, didn't end up getting surgery on it. Cause, uh, the heel time was quicker if I just physical therapy the heck out of it. And so, um, yeah, ended up uh, trying to get back into it. And then two weeks after I was cleared to play, um, and this was like at the beginning of our season. So I'd gone all through the winter into the spring of rehab and um, I got hit in the face with a bat and busted up my face real bad, broke a bunch of stuff and um, had to have like facial reconstructive surgery. So that put me out for another long bit. Uh, man, it was this weird moment of like, God, what are you doing? Um, yeah. Like this is, you know, I thought I was God's gift to baseball, right? I was like, hey man, like you, <laughs> you've given me this gift that I'm supposed to be playing with. And, um, you know, it was the entire time it was him saying, Hey, this isn't, I didn't give you this to glorify yourself, man. This isn't something mm. that you can bet your, yourself on a pedestal for. It was, um, Hey man, like I, I put you here uniquely to, to speak into the lives of a bunch of people that don't know Jesus in a locker room. Um, which is why I think my, my college journey was so, so unique transferring around so much. I had a hand in three different locker rooms, um, with oh, wow. you know, big old teams that a lot of the guys just didn't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from there, man, the mission was just, Hey, how, how do I, uh, how do I love on people? How do I care about people? And, and how do I just really, really, um, explain the gospel to people and help them see the, the beauty and the magnitude of that. Um, so that became the mission, uh, baseball kind of came second and, uh, man, when I did that, there was just so much freeness, like so much weight lifted, uh, from me. So, um, yeah, man, that's probably a lot more than, than you were hoping to hear, but, um, no, that's beautiful. That yeah, it gives you the the run up until uh, the the where we are now. Yeah, no, thanks for that. That's great. I think that's I'm good. That's that's meaty. That's juicy. We need that. Like, and and you and I have talked, but like, I think it'd be interesting to dive into like more of the uh, the identity wrapped up in athletic type idea because I think yeah. there's a lot of people. Well, there there are a lot of people, whether it's me or other people, that get their identity wrapped up, and even if it's not sports, it's the thing that you're good at or the thing that's your thing, it's so easy to get your identity sucked into one thing. Like yeah. what were, uh, dive into that a little bit. What were some learnings or some things that like you were able to take from that so that you were able to separate like, okay, I'm not just Ryan, the superstar athlete. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's difficult. Um, you know, I've been reading a lot of books around this topic around like, um, and this is going to get, this is going to get into it. Um, but, um, yeah, so I was, I've been reading a lot of books that talk about, um, like the individualization of the West. Mm. Um, so this idea that like, um, and and there's, I think, I think there's two layers to this. I think there's like a, a biblical layer to this that we can get into, but I also think there's just this, this idea that, um, you know, the, the fundamental principles that the West is found on is like, um, how do I make myself great? And, 
uh, a lot of that is awesome, dude. Like you're not going to find somebody that's, that's uh, more pro America, more pro capitalism, more pro, like all of Same. the things that are founded uh, roots of the U S but yep. the downside of that, if we're not really careful is um, we get so locked into ourselves um, that all we want to do is just what's my identity and what's the next thing I can go get. What's the next thing I can go chase. And so a lot of that was just the way that I was raised too. Um, my dad, so my, my mom's from, uh, born and raised out in West Texas, um, super like Southern roots. Um, awesome. She was a, a track and field star in college. Um, and then my dad is from the Midwest, uh, born and raised outside of Chicago. Um, his dad left when he was super young. My dad was the man of the house from a very early age. And, um, just, a uh, my, my dad's like for the longest time, we thought my dad was a secret service member because nobody knew what he did. He was just like, he like would disappear to the gym for like four hours a day. Like, um, my dad's terrifying, man. Like I love my dad. He's awesome. He's incredible. He's one of my heroes and has taught me so much, but he's a terrifying man. And so, um, growing up, man, it was, uh, the, the, there was a huge focus on performance. Um, Mm -hmm. so everything, like everything we did was, uh, if you do, if you get good grades, you get rewarded. Um, if you play well, you get rewarded. If you play bad, you're going to get absolutely chewed out. If you have bad grades, you're going to get absolutely chewed out. And so there was this, um, from a very early age, from what I can remember, just this, um, performance equals good, not performing well is like a detriment to who you are as a human being, not Mm -hmm. just what you contribute to this team or this culture, but like intrinsically your value is tied to this idea of performance. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that just took that really, really hard, um, and uh, applied it to everything that I do. So it's, it's really difficult. And you're, I mean, you and you and I have talked to this, you know, ad nauseum, but, um, like anything that we do, we're going to do, uh, at 150%, we're going to make sure that what we're doing is good because that performance mindset of, uh, I've got to be the best at what I do here. Um, and I've got to make sure that I'm contributing to the greater good. And if I don't, then I'm a complete failure. Um, and that's a, it's exhausting. Um, and, and once you realize, and this was the, 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 the kind of the, breaking point for me, uh, when I was at Louisiana tech and was getting hurt, couldn't contribute. You know, I wasn't, I was staying home when the team was going on road trips. Like I was really isolated from a lot of this stuff. Cause I was just healing. I was in therapy. I was doing all kinds of stuff. And, um, you realize that, uh, like the, uh, the only thing I was contributing to baseball, I was, I was believing this lie that the only thing I was contributing to these men around me was like my skills in baseball. Mm. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And, and that was taken away, but these guys still really cared about me and like loved on me and, and were like excited that I was there with them every day, but I still couldn't, I couldn't perform the way that I wanted to. Mm-hmm. It was this real, like God used this moment of like, you're so much more than baseball or your job or, you know, uh, the way you, yeah. Like you're so much more than a metric that you think mm-hmm. you, you think you understand. Ooh. Um, and it was super freeing. That's why like this weight was just lifted and it was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I've got so much more intrinsic value. And this is where I think obviously there's a, a split um, when you talk about like the, the earthly side of this conversation, the spiritual side, because you and I know like uh, my worth and my intrinsic value is no, has nothing to do with me. It's what Jesus did for me, right? Like my mm-hmm. value is in Christ. And so when you talk to somebody, I think this is why people um, that, that don't have a relationship with Jesus. I think why it's so hard to get out of this performance mindset because you don't have anything else to latch this, this identity to, right? Yeah. Like 
you think that the way you perform at work or the way you perform in a sport or the way you perform at school or the way you do this, um, that truly is your value for the season. Whereas like you and I, we know, man, like really practically, like if we miss quota or if we, you know, do something wrong at work, it's like, man, that stinks. Like, I hate that. But also like Jesus doesn't love me any less because of that. My friends around me don't love me any less because of that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think there's this, this moment where you realize like, okay, I'm performing poorly, but everybody's still around. Like everybody's still here and they care (laughs) about me a lot. Um, and I think another part of that too, like my wife, Tristan, and I've got one daughter, Briar, like I mentioned, and like Briar loves me deeply. She has no idea uh, the fact (laughs) that I used to play decent baseball or, you know, things like that. Like she has no idea. Um, and so it's like how humbling that is that, she loves me so much and just the literally could, has no idea that that was a, a huge part of my life. Yeah. That's, that's, I have a, I have a buddy who's shout out to my friend, Ryan. Also Ryan. Interesting. Oh, great. Name. He's about to have his third kid and I go visit him. He lives up in Denison. And every time I go visit him, he, he just the way he's looking at his kids and we talk about his kids. He's like, man, I have learned so much about myself and about the Lord through these little kids. And it's so interesting that you said that about like the lesson you're able to learn of like, Briar doesn't know I have a quota. She doesn't know I was a baseball star. She doesn't know any of this and loves me the same. And it wouldn't change when she does learn all that. Right. Doesn't matter. Yep. Doesn't matter. Yeah. It's always funny. Like, uh, I watch, there's a show called Ted Lasso, which uh, you know all about. And there's a scene (laughs) in Ted Lasso where, um, they're, they're talking to, uh, to Roy Kent and he's using his niece to like describe him. And at no point does she say like, he's this world star football player or soccer player, but she's just like, he's funny. He loves me. He cares about me. Like that. Those are the things that people pick up on, especially little kids. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, man, shout out to your friend, Ryan. That's like the, the most true thing ever. Parenting has just been this revealing, uh, tearing apart things that I thought I knew and showing me like, uh, this idea, I mean, the biggest one is this idea of dependence. And I think we've talked mm. about it, but um, my daughter, depending on us literally to survive has just been this huge, like veil removed on my, on my eyes of my dependence, necessary dependence on Christ. So um, kids are, kids are great teachers, man. So it, it's interesting. Something you said, and I've thought about this a lot. I love that you said that of like the people, people are still here, whether I hit a metric or I perform. Yeah. And it's so interesting because it just shows you how we're viewing ourselves completely different than other people are viewing us, right? Like, right, I'll, I've had times, uh, whether it's at leader or even before, where my performance hasn't matched what I wanted it to. And I'm still shocked that people, and I don't know if why I, why I was shocked, but obviously it's important that people are still like, oh, I love you, Kyle. Like, hey, you want to hear all this? I'm like, but I'm failing. Yeah. People, people aren't <laughs> seeing that. Right. But yeah. it's so interesting. And even at leader, right. There's times where I haven't done or achieved what I wanted to achieve. And like someone even told me the other day, Hey, I really appreciate X, Y, and Z about you. And I was like, well, well I don't know why. Right. Like that doesn't, that doesn't <laughs> add to the bottom line. Like, yep. but it just shows that like, that's such a twisted mentality of all that matters is performance because we're so much yeah. more than that. And I know I'm beating a dead horse, but I just, even when you said that it brought up another thought of like, man, that person told me the other day, something that had nothing to do with my performance and they appreciate that. Yeah. And it's like, like you said, back in uh, college baseball, realizing that people value you for who you are, like Mm -hmm. your, your character and the things that you add to them as a human. 
we're looking for performance because that that's what we think acceptance is based on. And other people have already accepted us long before or even when we fail to perform. I don't think yep. it's very it's very tough to get there. How how do you get there? Because I still struggle with that. I haven't cracked the code. Yeah, yeah I mean, I haven't either. Like, especially uh, and this is something that, yeah, I think I think will will be a large struggle for a lot of my a lot of my life. Um is just this this wrestling because I think it's hard for for folks like us too where um, we are so competitive like we're so driven and uh, when you do a bad job uh, it really like it stings man like it hurts um, and and not part of it is definitely like it hurts me because I, I want to do a good job but also it's like I just let the whole team down um, like I missed the mark and that has implications on everybody around me um, but it, it's interesting you asked this this is something that I've been chewing on and. I think this was in a TED talk. It may have been a, in a book. I can't remember, um, but I think it's Simon Sinek. And he's talking about, uh, he, he calls people to do an internal audit uh, of the way that they talk to themselves versus the way they talk to their best friend in moments of failure. Hmm. And so when you think right. like you fail and internally you're like, man, you stink. Like how, what happened? Like, like, what are you doing, man? You're a failure. Your best friend fails. And you're like, hey, man, you're good. Like, it's okay. You know, like, I love you. You're going to turn it around next month. Like, so there's this huge disparity between the way that you communicate internally to yourself and then the way that you communicate to your best friend who's walking through the same circumstance. Right. Yeah. And so I've been thinking about this a lot, this idea of like, man, what if I just change the internal way that I communicate to myself in moments mm-hmm. of failure? How much is that going to spur this identity of like, it's not in whether I hit or miss, like, regardless of that, yes, I'm going to do a good job. Yes. I'm going to lean in. Yes. I'm going to make sure that I'm working really, really efficiently and competitively. But when I miss, what if I talk to myself the same way I would talk to you if you missed, mm-hmm. uh, how That's much would that reframe this idea that I have in my own mind of myself? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's been a huge help, man. Huge. That's massive. Yeah, man. I'm I'm getting some free some free uh, life coaching right here. <laughs> this is all uh, this is all secondhand knowledge though. You'll you'll nobody plagiarizes more than me. Hey, I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes me that makes me have this other thought and chime in on this. So, yeah. I think a lot of the times too, when I fail or whatnot, right? I grew up in a performance oriented home. Wonderful parents, but yeah. dad was an athlete, grandpa was an athlete, so everything was like performance, and it wasn't a negative way. It was just kind of like, that's the blood that we're running with, right? Like yeah. we perform. It's like, you know, always, I remember hearing this, my dad, we're good. He, lo- I love him. He loves me. But there's always this like, you got to uphold the Crabtree name, right? Like, I don't know if you ever had that. Like, you got to oh, yeah. uphold the Hooverworth name. Yep. Oh, yeah. And so like, I think a lot of it sometimes is like, when I fail, it's, it's a lot of it is like, it's, it's a very much an insecurity of like, well, what are people going to think? Am I, like you said, I'm letting people down, right? Like, what does Jeremy think of me? What does who think of me? What are the people around me think of me now? And like you said, they're, they're not thinking any differently. But I think, as you said, I just was thinking, it, it's so interesting. Most people, I think, like us, it's tied to growing up in some type of performance-oriented thing where you don't want to let this person, whether it's your parents or your coaches or whoever, down. And it becomes so ingrained in you that when I fail, I let people down and they don't like me. You know what I yeah. mean? Yep. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, it's, um, 
it's hard. It's hard because like, uh, again, I think the, the biggest reason why we struggle with that so much is because we do come from uh, fairly performance-based homes that are like wildly focused on your contribution or success to the whole is what defines the, or like your value inside the whole. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, which is why this is like a, a, a tangent, but like, uh, which is why I love the sport of golf so much. Cause it's like, it's, it's you versus yourself out there. Like you are by yourself. You got nobody else to blame for anything. You're not contri- like, if you lose, man, you just lost on your own. Like that's it. Yep. Um, but I think why it's so difficult is because like, yeah, when I miss and leader, for example, like I just missed something that affects an entire company, especially mm-hmm. the stage that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I do think a lot of that, grow, like I didn't, I didn't grow up playing golf. I grew up playing team sports and mm-hmm. um, you know, baseball is this really unique um, more so than any other sport. Like it's an individual sport inside of a team setting mm-hmm. is the best way to describe it. So like when I step up to the plate, it's one-on-one me versus the pitcher. That's it. My teammates can't help me. I, my teammates can't do anything to support me here. Like it's one, it's mono e mono, but mm-hmm. everything I do there has implications to affect this greater game, right? This mm-hmm. greater team. So similar to, and, and sales is a little different because like we can bring people in, we can have people support during that. But for the most part, it's like you either make the sale or you don't. And uh, if you, if you made it great, if not, you just miss an opportunity to contribute to the greater whole. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that's the, the hard part. If we, if, it, if we didn't care about what we did and we were just, you know, collecting a paycheck, then I wouldn't carry the burden of, of hitting or missing so much, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but um, we're, it's we're, a, we're podding, bro. This is the whole, this is the whole deal. Yeah. That's how Joe Rogan right, got a hundred right. million bucks was by sitting with his friends here and just <laughs> shooting it straight. Uh, do, do you ever like, well, right. I guess I go this way. Like, it, okay, so going back to like a faith perspective of like, right, like I know intrinsically that my value is in Christ and he loves me regardless. And then on the day to days when I struggle with that, it's like, okay, I want to, I, I try to stop, I try to reset. Mm-hmm. Um, but have you found anything that's helpful, um, like practices or habits that are helpful to stop you when you start to get into those mindsets? A side note, asterisk, I think this is going to be super helpful for a lot of people that listen to this because okay. we're going deep into a lane that I think most people struggle with performance. Anyways, yeah. the question being, right, habits or, or tips or tricks or whatever in the moments, like you said, the one is to like audit how I'm talking to myself. What else? What else is helpful mm-hmm. for people like you and I? Yeah. Um, one uh, that's super helpful for me is uh, I have an incredible wife um that that is not afraid uh to call me when i'm when i'm acting a certain way so uh i would say that's a a huge piece of it and i think that's uh, really specifically why god designed marriage the way that he did is because like uh, i come home and i'm you know i'm digging into myself or i'm talking about how i did this or did that at work my wife's like hey check yourself a little bit um and so that helps tremendously um but two man i think um uh and and you and I are, we just finished reading a book, Garden City. Um, and in there, it's this redefining um, the idea of like how God structured work, rest, and what he calls the art of being human. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that book, there's a quote that talks about this idea that work now um, is just practice for work later. Mm-hmm. Like it's just practice for the work you're going to do in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um 
And so a lot has been like, as I'm, if I, if I feel myself or catch myself getting so like white knuckle death grip on the wheel, trying to control what I'm doing at work um, and not working unto the Lord, but working for myself and for glory and for, Hey, I want to see my name drop across the, you know, the, the Slack channel or whatever it might be. Um, I can reset and kind of feel myself going, Hey, uh, what I'm doing right now, like, would this pass the eternity test? Like the way that I'm approaching work right now, is this the way that God wants me to approach work in heaven? If not, we need to do a heart check. Um, if, if yes, then great. Like keep grinding. Um, cause I, I don't think contrary to popular belief, I don't think God is anti hard work. Like no. I don't think God is anti like roll your sleeves up and absolutely get after it. Um, as long as your heart's in the right place while you're doing it. And so a big thing for me is, is like you said, one, I'll recap these. One is like internal audit. How are you communicating to yourself? Is it the same way that you communicate to a friend? Um, two, uh, have an incredible wife that'll call you on your stuff. And then number three, understanding that work is not work now. Like work is just practice for work later. We're in the preseason right now. Like we are, we're in the off season, we're, we're refining our craft. We're getting good at what we're supposed to be doing so that when we have work in heaven, um, we're doing it to, uh, the, the perfect edification of the kingdom. That's huge. Yeah. And I, I, I'm going to double click into number two, have an incredible mm-hmm. wife. Hey, if any of y'all got any hot leads, send them my way. Uh, <laughs> but secondly to four people like me, right. That aren't, don't yet have that community has been a huge factor in my life mm-hmm. the past year and a half, two years of going from not having a lot of good friendships, community, to being in community with other men, other people, um, just people that can speak into it. That's really what you're saying there anyways with a wife yeah. is someone that knows you and can speak into those situations. And you can bring things to people and say, hey, this is where I'm struggling. Can you speak into this? Right? Like, yeah. what's your experience with not just a wife, but like community and being known. I guess that's really what I'm getting as it's so important. You got to be known by people. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah man. Um, yeah. It's such a good call out. I think um, the, the, yeah, the, the biggest thing is like having people around you that can catch blind spots that you can't, right? Like mm-hmm. my wife has this incredible ability to like sense and feel just by the way that I'm carrying myself or communicating when I'm like, getting way too bogged down into the weeds uh, on this performance set of, of my own self. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and walking through community and, and it's just getting people around you that aren't going to be afraid. One that aren't going to be afraid to call you out that aren't going to be able to, that are, that are willing to say, Hey man, I think you're, I think we need to, I think we need to dig into this a little bit. Cause I don't think you're in the right spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, just having a, a group of people. Yeah. That like care more about you long-term than they do about you in the moment. Um, and so I think too, there's been this idea that's been rattling around in my head that like what, what we allow in the margin is what's going to run rampant in the majority. Hmm. So like, as we, as we just allow ourselves into this idea really quickly, maybe it's a quick five minutes or whatever, 30 seconds, hmm. but as those continue to stack, we're going to look back and realize over the last year, that's become the majority of our life is living in this area. That's so focused hmm. on performance and metrics. Thanks. And so having somebody that's going to lean in and say, Hey, um, I realize you feel upset about this or I realize, but like, I think you're putting way too much emphasis and value on this idea of yourself. That's false. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's huge, man. It's, it's, uh, why God designed us to operate in community. Cause there's a ton of things 
like, is there a car without a blind spot? No. Like same with us. Like there are no, that like we all have blind spots that we can't see that we need somebody else to come alongside us for. Dang. That's huge. I love how you said that. Like what you, how you operate in the margins becomes the majority. That's huge. Dang. You're a, now this is way tangent. Now I'm just going way off base. When you, do you think like, do you think really far? I think you do. I think we've talked about this. You think you're a visionary, right? I'm a visionary. Like sometimes it works to my advantage because I'm like, man, I got these plans and I see the path and we're headed that way. And I'm sure that's why you were pretty successful in athletics too, is you're like, I want to go there. Let me reverse engineer how to get there. I know you're still like that because I mean, we're very similar. Uh, What are the, what are the things that you found that like, how do you put, uh, I guess, uh, guardrails on? Because be, when you're a visionary, you're all over the place, right? Like, yeah. I asked, I asked the team the other day if they're gonna watch this, they're gonna laugh. I was like, do you guys ever just like clearly see the vision and you're just like working towards it? And they were like, no. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well. Oh, dude. And sometimes yeah. I feel like just an alien in a foreign land, which we are, uh, right? Versus, like. When, as a visionary, like, how do you put guardrails to live present and content in the moment when you're like, but I see where we're headed. I'm going yeah. there and it's incredible. And I know I'm going to get there because we're going to make it happen. And yep. How do you put guardrails on that? And just, again, going back to the idea of like Garden City, being able to rest and be content and at the same time have massive vision and goals. Like, yeah. what is the guard? <laughs> how do you live in that tension? Brother, this is you're asking the wrong you're asking the wrong guy. This is uh, <laughs> well, this is something that too. is incredibly difficult. Yeah. Oh, it's something that's right. incredibly difficult. And luckily I've had some awesome people that have kind of given me advice here. But um, but like I'm already thinking about 20 years down the road how I'm gonna operate my cattle farm. Like, you know, it's like <laughs> I've got I've got I've got goals and visions that we're talking 20 years down the road that I've already worked my way to figure out how I'm gonna get there. Um, but you're right. The, the, the danger in that is we've got 40 different things that we're thinking about. Like you've got eight different avenues that you could take over the next you know year to get to different areas. And so, um, I used to have a, uh, we had a strength coach at the university of Portland, um, who always said like, uh, would drop this on us at all the time when they would hear that we were doing, um, uh, you know, thinking about things that didn't matter in the moment, they would always just go, Hey, be, be where your feet are. Um, mm. and it's just, it's so simple and it's a really nuanced, easy idea, but it's like, um, the idea of like, uh, there's an analogy that I've heard where uh, it's like you get dropped in the middle of the forest and, um, uh, you can't figure out your way out. Like you don't know which way to go and you're with your friend and your friend just goes, Hey, can you take one step? Yep. Great. Take it. And then fig- figure out the next one. Right. And so, um, I think a lot of times we do get stuck in looking um, 10 years, five years, 15 years down the road uh, when really all we need to do is just be where our feet are, like be really faithful and really diligent where we're at. Um, And with that is going to come. And I think that also reframes is it becomes reframed when you think about work as a practice for future, not something to get me to a point later in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, because for me, I always thought, hey, career, anything I work towards, like it's so that I can get to a more elevated place down the road, right? Mm-hmm. But when you reframe that and you think about the, the way that John Mark Homer puts it in his book in Garden City, if you think about uh, like work now is, is all it is, is practice for me for work in heaven. So like I'm not striving in this role anymore 
to get uh, to to claim an elevated status, right? Like I'm I'm working diligently in this role because I want to work diligently in heaven for no other reasons. Um, and I've always talked about too, like, um, yes, about like what like guardrails, like how do you put boundaries up for yeah. these things? Like how do you put boundaries up in a successful way? And uh, I've always been been uh, given the analogy that it's like bowling, like when you put the bumpers up. Um, your bowling ball has freedom to go wherever it wants and it's still going to get to the end, right? Like mm-hmm. you raise the bumpers, it's still going to get to the same place. It's just got more freedom to bounce around inside that confinement, which is similar. Like when you look at, when you look at the Bible, um, like the Bible is just, it's just boundaries. It's a playground for us, right? Like it's a, it's the textbook. God can operate outside of that if he wants to, but he chooses not to. He gives us boundaries so that we have freedom to operate within. Um, and so when you, I don't think looking and, and planning it like me, like my family every year in January, we have a, uh, what we call the Hoog family roundup where we like, we oh, take a on. weekend and we say, Hey, vision, like we need to cast and understand how our family is going to operate. What's important to us. What are our goals over the next five years financially? What's our budget look like? Where are we investing? Where are we giving? Where are we like casting vision and understanding where we're headed is a really good thing. But if we get so caught up there that we miss doing the daily rhythms and things that are going to help us to, to ultimately be sharpened and look more like Christ, then, um, man, we're missing it. So I think that, that idea of like, um, oftentimes we think boundaries are bad, like they're constraining us. We can't be free, but it's, it's giving you more freedom to operate in that really safe space. Mm, that's huge. I, I, you know, uh, <clears throat> JP, obviously. And JP yeah. talks about that all the time, right? Of, mm-hmm. We think these are constraints and really it's just guardrails for freedom, right? Like yeah. if you live within these, uh, within these uh, parameters, actually life is more fulfilling and more enjoyable and there's more peace, joy, contentment and all of those things within yep. this. But the, but the flesh wants to live outside of that because it's, again, yeah. there's that tension in that pole. I yep. love that. I love that you said that the Bible is the guardrails. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, you're right. It's like, yeah, like truly, God, I mean, God can operate. He can do whatever he wants to do. He's not confined right. by anything, right? Like he can do what he wants to do. But he said, hey, I, I'm choosing to give you this framework and this structure to live by. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, as we've seen, you go outside the Bible, like <laughs> there's a lot of pain, death and destruction that comes out of that. So like staying and operating inside this framework and this, this textbook, so to speak, that God has given us, um, like that's where we experience freedom and, and joy and all those things. It's yeah. similar like, uh, we've got national finals rodeos coming up, uh, mm-hmm. in like a month. And so, um, similar, like if you were bull riding and you didn't have this, this arena that you were in, like that could be there's problems, dude, that bull's taken off. You're going to be on it. Like nobody's going to be able to help. It's going to be really bad, but yeah. you stay in this confined area, man. Great. Like we're going to be able to keep people safe and have a good time doing it. So, um, I think a lot of times, yeah, re- reframing the idea that boundaries aren't, they're not uh, there to uh, like mitigate our freedom or ability to move. They're there to give us a structure to operate within. Ooh, that's a line right there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm stealing all these. Yeah, man. Shout out to uh, Dan Cogswell. When I was first few months at leader, we had a great conversation along those same lines of uh, just uh, being where your feet are. He was Mm -hmm. like, Hey man, just, just bloom where you're planted. Right. Like 
Yeah, it's good. Where you're planted right now, and that I know that we've all heard that, and it's not like again, not that secondhand wisdom, but it's so good to I have I've had to remind myself that so many times, just in my life, not even in this season, just in life, because um, like you said, you you already see yourself operating this cattle ranch. I already see myself oh, running yeah, rehab, rehab facilities. Like that's my dream is to um, be able to help people in that in that facet. But uh, that's not where I'm at, right? And the yeah. things being able to pull my and having people that can remind me. Pull yourself back. The things that you're doing now, like you said, they're working. We're working for eternity. We're working for the future. And the things you're doing now are also in this life preparing you for those things, right? Like what you're doing now is preparing you to run that ranch. Yeah. What I'm doing now and learning now is preparing me to be able to operate rehabs. Like these, yeah. are, this is the training ground, right? So we can't miss it. I can't rush to the end and be like, all right, now I got all the things that I envisioned. Well, no, 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 you don't have, I'm not ready for that, right? Like you may not be ready. We're not ready for that. We have to operate in this season and being able to enjoy and be content uh, in this season is what's going to lead us to being able to be fruitful in the next season. Right. Yeah, man. I, I love that You just said that because uh, I think a, a huge call out, it would be a myth to think like having a passion to do something later in life is not bad. Like you having a passion uh, to be like, man, like I, uh, uh, I want to be able to operate rehab facilities and care for people well in that, but obviously that's not happening today. So I don't want this to be like twisted or misheard in the idea that, uh, hey, thinking at all, like casting vision into the future and knowing that 10 years from now, 15 years, 20 years from now, I want to be doing this. That's not a bad thing. Um, and that's what I, I think God gives you passions. Like, like we've talked about, and I, I'm sure everybody on this podcast has heard your story a time or two, like, um, the, everything that you walked through gave you this passion to like invest back into people and care for them through rehab facilities. Like I, I, that having that and wanting to do that later in life and building a plan to do that is not bad. But if you get so caught up in that, that you're, you're that you're operating really poorly, um, where you're at currently, where your feet are, where you're, where you're planted, then man, now that's where we're missing it. That's a big miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. And that's the tension, right? That's the tension right. for people like you and me and anybody that has massive ambition and dreams and goals. And my dad told me this, uh, one time and it's always stuck with me. He was like, Kyle, respectfully, he's like, God doesn't need your ambition. He right. doesn't need, he doesn't need your ambition. Yeah. He wants to use your ambition. Right. And it aligns with his ambition for you. Exactly. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. I heard there's a, a quote from a book called Family Revision that uh, the guy says, I'm a tree in a story about a forest. Like huh. if I, I if you've told me that before, yeah, dude, if that single, if I got cut down, like that forest doesn't need me. God doesn't need yeah. me to do anything. He doesn't need anything to do anything. Right. But we're part of this larger ecosystem that's contributing to this orchestrated plan that God's created or that the, the forest yeah. has created, right? Like, I'm a tree in a story about a forest. And the more I, the more I realize that, that I'm not the forest, like this, this movie that we're in, this, this thing that we're a part of is not, uh, it's not about me. I'm not the main character here. Um, and I think oftentimes we, we get into this idea that like, Hey, my life is about me. Like I am the headliner, the main, the main character. Um, it's like, no, 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 You're a side, you're a side background character. You're, you know, extra number four. And this movie, this story uh, is about, is about the almighty creator. And we're just a part of his ecosystem through this. Right. So, yeah, yeah, man. And and again, all of this goes back to where we first started, like um, the individualization of the West, um, Mm -hmm. like this idea that uh, 
uh, in that same book, he talks about the idea of like, he's comparing everything to, to Eastern culture and Eastern families where uh, mm. people like, he, he makes this comparison where it's like, we, uh, we go to school to get a degree, to go out on our own, to do our own thing or go play sports by ourselves and make a name for ourselves And like all of these things where in the East, it's like uh, this son grew up on a family farm and um, you know, his dad really needed a blacksmith on the farm. So he went out and became a master blacksmith so that he could come back to his family, contribute to the greater whole of this family, right? Mm-hmm. Like the mindset. And he's like, I'm not telling everybody that they need to work on family and family businesses and all that. But he's like, it's just the mindset of we do everything so that we can glorify ourselves and raise ourselves higher. This, this Eastern biblical principle is uh, hey, how do I contribute? What can I bring to this larger story that's not about me? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's 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 hard, man. Because growing like, man, I was talking with with major league baseball teams when I was sixteen years old, like trying to make a name for myself and get paid and make a ton of money and yeah. you know get under the lights. And uh, it's been a huge reality check as I've gone through a lot of these things. Is like, man, I just missed it uh, for so long. Like I just missed what that gift that I had, what that was uh, to be used for. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a weird realization when you realize like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not God's gift to earth or God's gift to baseball. <laughs> like, um, you know, it's a, it's a weird, weird realization. Right. We're just, we're just a grain of sand on the beach, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. I love yeah, it. Yeah. What you said, like, right. If I, God forbid, not going to if I pass today, the world yeah. keeps spinning, man. Like God's plan is still in motion. I'd be real sad, right? but yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> and I'll be sad. Too. I'll be sad too. I think, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Right. But like, uh, and, that, and that's super humbling too, to get to this yeah. place in life where, and thankfully God has allowed us to not achieve all of the things that we desired and wanted up to this point. Because if I would have had, and I heard Chris Heaslip say this on the one shot podcast, he said, if I would have achieved all the things I wanted at the time I wanted them, I would be a terrible person. Yep. And I yeah. relate to that so hard. If I had, if, if, if I'm, I'm going to be 35 here in the summertime, and if my plans would have went according to my plans, mm-hmm. I would not be a good guy. I'd be a real bad dude. Right. Yep. But yeah. thank God that he was sovereign enough and his provision has, has allowed me to go through things that didn't let me get there. And he's shaping me in a way to where I will be able to uh, be be able to glorify him with my life instead of glorify myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 What you're saying just reminds me of um, Daniel 3 is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, about to be burned in the, uh, in the fire. And verses 17 and 18, it talks about, um, uh, they're, they're saying essentially like, um, they're about to go in. Nebuchadnezzar's like, hey, uh, I think it's Nebuchadnezzar. No, that doesn't sound right. But anyway, um, he's like, you're going into the fire. And they say, hey, uh, we know that our God is good and that he will save us. But even if he doesn't, like, we know he's still good. And so this idea that like, just because God's putting us or, or, or allowing these things to happen to us doesn't mean that he like doesn't have good things in mind for us. Yeah. Um, it's this idea that, um, you know, uh, everything that happens is, is God's, uh, perfect timing. So exactly right. Like if it did, if I would have, if I would have taken a, 
the the opportunities that I had out of high school to go play professional baseball, like uh, I'd be a mess. Like I would be freaking brutal. Um, mm-hmm. And I, there's no shot I'd be married. No shot I'd have a kiddo. No shot I'd I'd be like it'd be bad. Um, but and at the time when I when I did when I declined offers and went to go play college ball, I was like upset that that was the the decision that ended up happening. I was like, why did like why would I why did I not do that? Like, what did you stir in me that that made me choose this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then now looking back, I'm like, oh, like that was literally perfect. Like it happened mm-hmm. perfectly. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. Two things, and we can wrap it up. It, it was King Nebuchadnezzar, wasn't it? I think Shadrach, so. Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, we'll it's have to figure it out. Hey, yeah. someone, someone, correct us if we're wrong. Yeah, someone hit Daniel someone, three for us, real quick. It's got to be King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, I'm not gonna look it up. Whatever. Uh, if we're both wrong, you know what? Whatever. We're not. We're not There's gonna great. be chastised. Yeah. For that. There's a lot of grace there. <laughs> uh, but something you said there. Uh, I was talking to man. I can't remember who I was talking to the other day, but the idea of right, we in in the midst of storms of life or uh, tough tough seasons, difficult things, whatever. It's very hard to see, and you don't. That's the thing about life and, and faith is you don't get to see God's plan, right? You don't always have the answers in the moment. But it's so sweet to be able to look back on life and be like, "Oh, I see what you did there." Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like you can be like, you literally just said it. Like you wouldn't be married to have a kid, and you can totally see how he steered you away from the money and the bright lights and the fame mm-hmm. and all those things to provide for you something even better. But at yep. the time you're, you arrest, you're like, what is this? Why is this? I don't understand. Yep. And, and it's in those moments where faith, true faith kicks in of going, but I know you have a plan, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. It's always like me and my wife talk about this a ton, um, about like me and my wife, we, we dated all through college. We did four years of long distance. And like, um, looking back, like we were like, there's, it's, a. a astounding that like we made it through uh all of that and then you look back and you look at all these little different things that happened over those four years that you're like oh i was like really upset when that happened but looking back now it's like dang that was like exactly what needed to happen for us to continue down this road that we're now on mm-hmm. uh, and when you think about like yeah I, I, it's i've been wrestling with this idea that like it's easy for me to believe that like God is the, um, the orchestrator of eternity. Like it's easy for me to comprehend this, this God that I can't fully comprehend is the orchestrator of this other eternal principle that I can't fully comprehend. Like, I'm like, all right, cool. I get that. Like, I'm never going to fully understand. I get it. I under, yeah, as much as I can, I understand, but it's sometimes really hard for me to, to believe that God is the orchestrator of this specific moment. Mm -hmm. And like, I tend to lean in really heavily and try to death grip and control and do it myself because I'm not trusting that God is who he says he is. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm, I trust that he oversees everything over eternity, but for some reason, my brain just doesn't let me like, Hey, God is in control here too. Like it's not just eternity and he lets everything else happen when it's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Like he's in control right now. Um, and I think that's where I get into a lot of trouble is when I, obviously when I try to do it myself and then I look back and go, Oh God, I, I think I see what you were trying to tell me there and I missed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. yeah, same. Yeah. Same. It's, I think that's the, I think that's the, the, the tension of right. Like walking daily and staying right. Mm-hmm. Being in continue in continual, uh, 
communication and, and reliance on him is that's the daily battle because there's the tension of do I rely on him or me because it doesn't seem like he really would like yeah I get it he's over he's all knowing and all in charge right it's awesome but what about like I don't feel like he's in control of this moment like while we're on this call or like while I'm making call, cold calls you know I don't feel like he's in control of that I just think he's got the big picture yeah I think that's the tension of like where what do we control and what does he control? And like, that's yep. where surrender, right? That's a whole nother podcast right there. Ooh. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. Do we have another hour? Um. <laughs> um, I mean, yes, but no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you, man. Well, let's land the plane, man. Thanks for, yeah. thanks for doing this. First of all, I think this is, for me, this was incredible and hopefully yeah. other people will benefit too. This is very selfishly awesome for me. Um, yeah, man. I but, yeah, Go ahead. I, say, I, I love getting to talk with you, man. Obviously, we we get to speak mostly every day, um, which is uh, just an absolute blessing. And uh, I've known you now for I don't know six eight months, something like that, since I've been a leader. And uh, years, yeah, something, yeah, <laughs> freaking twenty seven years. But uh, man, it's been it's just been so fruitful getting to talk with you. And I say this all the time, like, and I'm not I'm not trying to just toot your horn or blow smoke, like. You're one of the most genuine and intentional people. Um, you remember things, you care about people, you dig in and ask great questions. Like um, you've sharpened me. It's been so fruitful getting to know you. And I'm excited that uh, I've been able to jump on this podcast. Hopefully um, this this goes over well and I can come back on. But um, you know, uh, man, it's just been it's exciting. It's always a pleasure to get to chat with you. Thanks, bro. I feel the same. Like you've been even from the first day, I remember the first day, we won't get too emotional, but the first day we sat down and that front Cheryl Sandberg office and just right. went to town on like, Hey, who are you? What are your yeah, struggles? Man. And like, we connected from the beginning. So yeah. yeah, back at you, man. I appreciate it. I think, I think a lot of people would echo this, that Ryan Hugerworth is an encourager and just somebody that we look to and have a lot of respect for, like the way that you carry yourself uh, and the way you speak about um, others and the way you speak about the Lord is like, man, my, my hat is off to you. Like I got so much respect for you, I think. And like I said, I think that uh, that would be echoed by many, many, many others at uh, leader and elsewhere. So appreciate yeah, who man. you are, man. Yeah. I appreciate that, brother. It means a lot. Um, it means a lot. So it's, it's, uh, you know, whenever you have people that I've got a lot of friends that I've picked up over the years that I play baseball with that, um, I love dearly, but are not people that like add value or, uh, continue to spur me in a direction that I want to go with my life, but they're, they're awesome people. And I love them dearly. And when they say things like that, it's super nice. Uh, and I love it. It's kind. But when you have people that, um, that are incredibly intentional, that care deeply about people that spur you to move into a direction that's going to challenge you, it's going to help you grow. And they say, they say stuff like that. Like it just carries a whole different weight. Um, and so, uh, man, I'm just, yeah, I love you, brother, and it's it's uh, it's always a pleasure. Hopefully, we do this again, and um, oh, we will. Yeah, man, it's been great. All right, man. Well, love you back, bro. I'm just uh, I'm happy we get to be on this journey together. It's uh, yeah, I right. know it's been six months, feels like six years. And, uh, <laughs> it'll be about another decade, and we'll see what yeah. goes down. So appreciate you, man.